Welcome to Football Never Sleeps, the aspiring-to-be viral Notre Dame football show that's back on Monday night for the rest of the season. We've got plenty to talk about tonight. Marcus Freeman had a press conference. We asked him questions. We listened. We giggled. And now we're ready to talk to you about it. And if you've, you have questions that you want to ask us during the course of the show, fire, fire away and we'll work them in as we go along. Um, Tyler James is going to tell you how to do that. He's also going to tell you about our subscription special, which is running until midnight. If you're watching this live, you still have time. If you're watching this on Tuesday, sorry, but you can still subscribe, just not at a great price. So Tyler, take it away. Yeah, the, the deal that we've been running, and hopefully you've already taken advantage of it, but if you have not, and we have had a lot of new subscribers, so thanks to everyone who has uh, jumped we got on. We've got a boy from corporate. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we we uh, we've been offering a, a first year of an Inside Indie Sports subscription for just twenty three dollars. Regular price is ninety nine ninety five, so a significant discount there. Um, so you can spend the not just the entire twenty twenty three season with us, but going into the lead up to the twenty twenty four season. Um, plenty of recruiting coverage, basketball coverage, everything you can think of between now and then. Uh, so head to Either InsideIndieSports.com, we have the the links to that promotion all over the place on our website. Um, I've included it in the description to this video. It is also um, in all of our stories. Um, we, Eric and I have been tweeting about it, so if you, you can find it on our Twitter accounts. Um, so the promo code is InsideIndie23, um, and that should get you a $23 annual subscription for the first year. Um, and uh, we hope you can join us. You get access to the Insider Lounge Specials Board where we post our information first um and uh get to join our community and, and the conversations that we get to have with those with those folks as well um in addition to the conversations we get to have with you guys here on youtube uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in um if you are subscribe uh make sure you're subscribed to the youtube channel as well we want we want subscribers to that um we're trying to get to 2000 before uh Kick off an got a special on that too. It's nothing. <laughs> it's it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. Nineties zero. Um, and uh, uh, we hope you hope you do that if you're watching and haven't done that yet. Um, like the video, comment. It increases the, the traffic that we get on these videos, um, and so that is helpful to us. If you are new to YouTube, uh, you should be able to comment live during the chat. Uh, if you're if you're watching us, make sure you click through to the the YouTube website or the YouTube app. Um, so you can have the comment box available to you with the live chat. It'll be on the right-hand side if you're on a desktop and below um, our talking voices uh, if you are on a mobile device. So um, with that said, let's get into some of the topics from today, Eric. Um, I know one of the big things that you talked to Marcus Freeman about and he uh, emphasized in his press conference was how Notre Dame has been leading into the sports science um, this preseason leading up to the season. What do you think they've been able to do? Why do you think they they went this way? And uh, what can you sort of tell us about that? I, I'm going to master the art of answering multiple part questions. <laughs> uh, so let's go to the kind of the genesis of this. Um, first, Marcus Freeman in his first year as Notre Dame head coach felt like man, it seems like we're having a lot of preseason training camp injuries. And so his mantra is, let's question everything they did. 
and they came up with a different plan this year to reduce injuries. And, and he was able to rattle off some tangible results, less than half the concussions of last year. Um, they had few, fewer soft tissue and ligament injuries. They also had 79% less hydration. Now he attributed that some of that to the weather, but we less some, less dehydration. They didn't have thirty nine percent less le, less dehydration. <laughs> yes, dehydration, um, and maybe seventy nine percent less hydration as well. But he attributed part of that to the weather. Although we had a couple stretches of pretty hot weather, and we've got another one coming up this week. In fact, it was pretty hot today, which is why I'm wearing this white shirt uh, because I had to do a TV hit out in the sun. Um, but um, then, then it even extends to how they're going to Ireland, how they're coming back from Ireland, how they're changing their practice schedule, and how they're going to stay overnight in Ireland Saturday night because that is a night game Ireland time. It's a 7.30 Ireland kickoff, even though it's 2.30 in the Eastern time zone here in the United States, um, which is something the 2012 team didn't do and almost paid dearly for it. Uh, when they came back, they just kind of went through their normal routine, flew over to Ireland, looked at the Guinness in the bars as they went to the stadium, and then they flew back that night. And then their schedule was kind of all over the place as they got back. They got in crazy hours and and really were dragging all week and almost lost to a really bad, not a really bad, but a middling Purdue team. Um, so it it. You know, one of the names that comes up pretty frequently in conversations about this is John Waggle. John was hired in May of 2022 as an associate athletic director for football performance. And John's background is really interesting. He's got a PhD, um, master's, and a BA, which is two more degrees than I have. <laughs> and uh, he he basically kind of marries sports psychology with sports performance, injury prevention, strength and conditioning. And so how that kind of played out this year in training camp. And, and this happened days that we were even in there where they would say, you know, let's cut a, cut a period off of practice today. Um, or, you know, it, it was about adaptability. They go in with a plan knowing that it might change. And and so it was really kind of interesting to hear Marcus talk about, you know, hey, I was open to do that. If somebody could explain to me why this is a good idea, I'm open to it. So it's really going to be interesting to see if that sustains itself over the course of the season. I know people say, well, wait a second, Kevin Bauman retore his ACL and, and mm -hmm. Aiden Gobira. I mean, you're not going to ever be totally injury free, but I mean, Pete Sampson and I were talking at the last, uh, Pete Sampson from The Athletic at the last open media window, and he said, is this the fewest guys you've seen in the pit, which is their injury area, you know, kind of this close to the season? And yeah, usually they can't, there's not stationary bikes for everyone. And and so they only had really basically four people working over there. The two guys that had surgery, Michael Carmody, who we'll have some news on, Later, and then KK Smith, who had shoulder surgery this this summer. 
yeah, uh, Amir Carlisle has been over in that area just as much as some of the other guys. Uh, <laughs> he's the director of player development uh, for Notre Dame, and uh, it was interesting to see him hanging out with those guys, but also the fact that there weren't a lot of guys over there was certainly um, encouraging for Notre Dame and seems to be um, a good sign for the Irish. Now, I think if you're being playing devil's advocate, it's like, well, okay, did they – did they prepare enough? Are they going to be physically ready? It's nice to not have injured guys, but you also there's some some callousing that I think you have to do as part of preparing for a football season to to get ready, um, especially with phys- physicality and, and preparing to tackle. Um, but Notre Dame builds in opportunities to do that that they think will cover that and it will. So it's sort of finding the right lane for that, and and right. we know for as much as Marcus Freeman has talked about as a player's coach and, and some of this embracing of the sports science stuff, he, he's a hard nosed guy. Like he wants guys hitting each other and getting after it. Um, And so he wants his coaching style to, to be reflective of that as well. So there's a little bit of, of a mix and match with how how you sort of figure that out. And he's a new head coach going into a second year. He learned some lessons from his first season and, and feels like this is what, is going to best prepare them. And obviously it's even more important given sort of the circumstances of the first game um, when, when you're doing this travel, um, getting ready to go out on the road for this and then coming back and not having a bye week the week after um, you are um, making things a little bit more difficult for yourself than other teams are, even though maybe your, your opponents aren't as, as talented as, as some of the other teams that you could be playing across the college football to start the season. So I, I'm fascinated to see if this, if the impact it's made in the preseason is, is a correlation throughout the rest of the season and they can stay healthy beyond this, this preseason as well. Yeah. I want to emphasize at least in the practices we saw, and it wasn't every practice, but we saw a lot of intensity. We saw a lot of things at full speed. It wasn't, it was just a matter of some days they weren't bringing the guys to the ground. It was more tag off or just kind of hug them or whatever. I mean, it wasn't Jordan Botello them and, knock them into next week and so so they try to find a balance and and i've seen maybe this approach backfire before when you're not doing things at full speed ever happened mm-hmm. to charlie weiss and he had to reintroduce physical practices at full speed during the season and then they did have a bunch of injuries on top of not having gone full speed but a lot of it was you know they were kind of doing more walkthrough stuff than actual practicing, which is kind of an NFL type thing that that Charlie had brought with him. When he had a veteran team that worked great, when he had a team that turned over its roster, it didn't work great. It worked bad. They were three and nine. Yeah, and that is not what Marcus Freeman wants uh, going into his second season. Um, Let's get to a couple questions here um, before we move on. Uh, Eric Swope asked, based on your observations of total practices, Put yourself in Coach Freeman's shoes. What would be your core message in addressing the team going into the Navy game and going forward into the season? Um, that's a good question. Um, that's what you say when you don't have an answer off the top of your head. <laughs> my, I, I guess my message, I mean, he's been messaging it throughout, you know, is just really kind of focus on the task at hand which is coach speak, Um, but also, you know, be prepared. He was talking today about how much depth they've built, and Mm -hmm. you see it 
with guys that were ready for their opportunities in training camp. Christian Gray is the number two uh, boundary cornerback. Drake Bowen, a freshman, is the number two middle linebacker right now. Uh, so there's, you know, there's two freshman wide receivers in the two deeps. Jabron Payne, who's basically a redshirt freshman, is the number two running back, and we'll get into that a little bit more. It's just be ready for your opportunities. The other thing he's going to tell them, I don't know that it necessarily would be my um, message, but I think Marcus is going to tell them, you know, when Matt Bayless um, resigned just before the start of training camp, he said, bumpy road and be prepared for more of this. We've got to be prepared. So he doesn't want them, you know, to wonder if another shoe's going to drop. Another shoe will drop, he'll say, and we need to be ready and tough enough to prepare for it. So that was a terrible um, Newt Rockney version of it. But <laughs> I'll see if Tyler's got a better answer to that. Eric, you yeah. caught me off guard. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I have any, like, um, speeches lined up for the team. But, yeah. He I mean, would I say think... sign up for inside Andy sports at a reduced price. <laughs> that's right. That's what. Uh, that's my promo, and uh, make sure you do that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the messaging isn't all that crazy. I think like probably some sort of like, hey, this is a business trip. Yes, we want you to experience Ireland, but obviously, we're going there to win a football game, um, and it's going to take all of your focus and everyone being committed to this plan that we have laid out for you to make sure that you will be able to maximize yourself come Saturday. And so that sort of leans back into what they've been doing in the preseason. And then a continuation of that is like, okay, we've, we've set you up to be in this position to be able to, when we go full goal in a, in a Saturday scrimmage that you're ready to go. Um, now this is the real thing on Saturday. It's in Ireland. We have some traveling we got to do. Um, we got a time change to deal with. Um, but this is we're, we're going over there to, to focus on playing against Navy. We know that, Navy can challenge us. That's I think for as bad as the second half was last year in that Navy game for Notre Dame, that's easy ammunition for 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 them. Like, hey, look, this is what can happen if we're not if we're not playing to our best, and uh, or coaching to our best, <laughs> or coaching to our best. Sure. Uh, so we have to we have to do a better job and make sure that we're maximizing our possessions um, and uh, playing with with efficiency on both sides of the ball. Um, and, uh, I think a lot of that can be translated throughout the rest of the season, but yeah, I think, um, the, the return back is interesting. And so you got to get those guys focused right away on the return to Tennessee state. It's team that you shouldn't have much of an issue with, but you can't, you can't let up. And then you can use the Marshall game as an example from last season of, Hey, if we're not, if we're not prepared, um, we know what can happen even in Notre Dame stadium um against a team that we we think we're better than so uh i think those are sort of the messages that'll be hit home other than sort of the ever the 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 gold the golden standard and challenge everything um and the typical marcus freeman mantras that he he relies on and is uh is used to emphasize throughout the program all right one more question before we move on john murray asks who is the most accomplished tackler in the defensive backfield I would say Xavier Watts right off the top of my head, but there are there's a pretty nice group of them. I'm I Cam Hart now that his shoulder is right is pretty good. Ben Morrison is pretty good. Um, 
I I expect Antonio Carter to be. I haven't watched him as much in practice. I know Thomas Harper is very physical. Mm-hmm. Um, the nickel. So those are the guys that jump out at me just off the top of my head. Yeah, I think Xavier Watts is the guy that you 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 look at as you could put him in the box in certain situations and feel comfortable with him being able to make some tackles. And so he would be the guy that I would point to first. But yeah, after after that, there's some guys that um, have had opportunities to to make plays. I, if you're talking about accomplished, who has done it the most? Certainly, Cam Hart has plenty of experience. Um, DJ Brown has plenty of experience, though I think he has had his share of missed opportunities as well. Um, but there, those can those can provide learning moments too. Um, so th- those are the guys, like you mentioned, Antonio Carter. Guys were shocked when he came over from uh, uh, Rhode Island that he played cornerback before because that's how physically he plays um so the fact that he is a physical player at the safety position um i know that aztec role which anytime you offer a new name for something it, it, it gets it gains traction um is when notre dame wants to put a third safety on the field and that dj brown and antonio carter have been asked to play those roles so obviously notre dame feels good about those guys in the boxes potential blitzers um but also guys that can make plays um in, in more physical situations than um than all your defensive backs can. So I think those are all guys that um, should, should, should show well um, in opportunities um, as tacklers in the defensive backfield. And they'll get opportunities, obviously, against Navy because Navy's going to want to get on the perimeter and get into the into the um, secondary with its option game. And uh, I think one thing to also keep an eye out for is, like, Notre Dame moving a linebacker back to a safety spot, um, whether it's Jack Kaiser or someone at that rover position. Jaden Osbury, I think, is someone that could be – um, a candidate to do something like that. So I think Notre Dame will try to put sure tacklers on the field as much as it can against a Navy team when it's expecting it to run. And uh, just a uh, what's up right back to you, Michael. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you coming in and stopping by. And Michael suggested to let the second string start against against Tennessee State. I don't know that it'll be that uh, extreme, but I uh, would anticipate to try to get the second string guys out there as soon as possible in that game and build it, build up a pretty good. Big well, I, and they're going to play against everybody. I mean, there's going to be, at least on defense, you're going to see a lot of guys that are quote unquote, second team that are right. really rotational players. All right, Eric. Uh, one of the other things that happened today was Notre Dame released its official depth chart for the first time uh, going into the Navy game. Um, <laughs> It'll be the same one for the rest of the season. I'm will, just kidding. It will probably not have a lot of, especially those ones that have oars. I don't think the oars will ever be removed uh, unless those guys um, aren't able to play. Uh, so I, I think uh, it fell in line mostly with what we've been reporting and observing through through camp. But I think it's worth looking back on what we've seen throughout camp and, and our expectations coming into camp. Um, and how those have changed throughout the preseason. So um, the first ones, I think probably the biggest position battles that we were monitoring going into the preseason was the guard spots. And Rocco Spindler at right guard and Pat Coogan at left guard um, have won those position battles. Um, What are your thoughts on what they've been able to do to earn those spots? And how surprised are you uh, that that is how it's played out? Well, it's interesting because you have four juniors, four guys from the same recruiting class mm-hmm. in the starting lineup with Zeke Carell, the fifth-year center. Um, the Coogan one blows my mind, and uh, 
I knew that he was a big physical kid. It just seemed like in the recruiting, Notre Dame kind of went back to Pat Coogan when they lost someone else, and he was a little bit of an afterthought in recruiting. Um, and you heard about him being groomed at center last year. And then when they said he was going against Billy Shrouth, I thought, I don't know how that's going to work because Billy is so talented, such a bright future, such a hard worker, such kind of a badass um, that I wasn't sure. But Pat Coogan beat him out. I mean, they're both physical guys. Pat was a lot more physical than I had realized, and he was more assignment correct than Billy Shrouth. But Billy had a very good camp, and I think is the third guard in that equation. Um, Rocco, we remember at the end of spring, really surged towards the end of the spring practice to the point. I don't think if he had, hadn't had that, I'm not sure if he'd still be at Notre Dame. I think he might've gone to the portal if he was the clear number two, but at that point he had put himself in the conversation, at least to overtake Andrew Christophic mm-hmm. and then did fairly early in this camp. And it ended up being by quite a wide margin. I know people have been waiting for this. Rocco was the number 68 player in the country in the 2021 class. Um, and he was the number three Notre Dame player in that class, the third highest rated. And so we got a little tease in his early enrolled freshman semester, the spring of 2021, where Blake Fisher was lined up at left tackle and Rocco was lined up at left guard. And there were some pieces missing. And when they came back, Rocco went to be a backup. But we thought, we'll we'll eventually hear from Rocco, especially when they had some shuffling in the offensive line. And it never happened until now. So it's a really cool story. We get to interview him tomorrow night. We had him on our old podcast when we were at the South Bend Tribune. And he is a great interview, so I can't wait to talk to him tomorrow night. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a cool opportunity. Um, interesting to see get his perspective on his sort of journey to that to that starting spot. And uh, the Pat Coogan story is interesting as well. Like that was the person I think a lot of fans and even reporters wrote off as as a legitimate contender for that spot. Um, and now he's going to get an opportunity to prove that. Like you said, Billy Shrouth is probably the third guard there. Um, could end up getting some opportunities this season. Um, but Pat Coogan beat him one-on-one, and uh, he's going to have to play to a high level because I don't think that uh, Notre Dame is in a position to sort of just let a guys play because they have enough guys that they can put in there to to uh, replace them and, and, and maintain that high level, and the expectations are – obviously very high for Notre Dame's offensive line. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I mean, all those guys, um, well, not not Joe Alt, Astor, and Blake Fisher, I guess, but the interior guys, you know, there's some really good players that are younger than that group, younger than those juniors, like Emil Wagner, Charles mm-hmm. Jagaza. I mean, those guys are going to be forces, and if, you know, if they can also play inside, which I think they can, you know, they're going to challenge – next year, whoever's the starter. So we should have some good battles going for the next couple of years. Uh, so center Z Carell will be lining up in between the two of those guys. And he um, has been dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury um, so far in camp. But we heard today from Marcus Freeman that he the plan was for him to practice here on Monday. 
um, and they're expecting him to be available. That isn't necessarily um, that that does align with what we had heard last week. Um, but the fact that he's progressed to that point where Notre Dame feels confident in that is certainly a good sign. Um, and they'll continue to get uh, get some work this week and hopefully get some rest in the same when he's not, when he's not uh, on the football field to be able to make sure that that ankle's ready to go because Notre Dame certainly could use his experience in the middle of that offensive line when he's got two inexperienced guards next to him. Let's uh, take this question from T-Rex. Thank you for the donation. Top 10 talent and Hartman Freeman more experienced. Two-third toughest games at home. A better quarterback than 11 or 12 teams with play and no more Reese. Why not 12 and 0? Okay, so those are all T-Rex's reasons <laughs> that they should go 12 and 0 and our reasons that they wouldn't. Um, I think Ohio State has more talent. Uh, even though that game is in Notre Dame Stadium, mm-hmm. Notre Dame is going to have to out-coach and out-play them. I'm not saying that that can't happen. Um, I just think that there's not a lot of margin for error with injuries at certain positions. For example, Sam Hartman to Steve Angeli is a big drop. Um, there's some other positions where that is the case, and there's some that aren't. I mean, Marcus Freeman was bragging about the depth today and very happy with the depth that they've proven. But again, Sam Hartman to Steve Angeli, especially in those big games, that's a big difference. Um, I think, you know, you could get thin at wide receiver pretty quick. Audric estimate they have great running backs. I think they could survive, but it's great to have him. He's the guy that you can really count on. So that's why I'm not calculating 12 and 0. I think that USC still has the better quarterback. Uh, they have some nice pieces on defense to complement him. Don't know how cohesive that'll be if they're as good as advertised, but they have some good pieces there. And then you think about the Clemson game down in that environment when there's not a hurricane. I think that will be um, a real challenge. I think their defense will be really good. And Cade Klubnick will probably play a lot better than he did in his cameo at Notre Dame Stadium last year. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm leery. And and we we did kind of semi-hyperventilate about the defensive front. At least I did. Uh, but I have to see it against really good teams. So I'm not saying you're wrong, T-Rex. And if you're right, I will refund your four ninety nine. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> we'll see how, how well Eric knows how to make that happen. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll try to find <laughs> T on the um, YouTube somewhere and get it to him. Everybody's going to claim that they're T Rex now. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get hundred emails uh, if their name goes twelve. I'm sure. And 0. Hey, if, if they go twelve and zero, it's good for our business. So <laughs> it makes for happy people. Yeah, I think the two th- like top ten talent. I think I'd be curious. To, I, I don't know the, how firm I would be on the top ten, but like you mentioned, Ohio State is a team that I would say ha- has more talent than Notre Dame on paper. Um, today, the preseason a- AP All American team came out, um, and Ohio State had five people on the, the, and that includes a first team and a second team. I think it's fifty four members total, if I'm if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, and five of them. Our Ohio State players, um, Notre Dame has two players on that list, those being Joe Alt and Benjamin Morrison. Um, 
But but for the rest of the things that T Rex says, like Hartman, Freeman's more experienced. That you get two of your three toughest games at homes. Um, you have a better quarterback. I think those are all reasons to be optimistic about this team. The one that I would take issue with is the Reese part. Um, and even if you're not a Reese fan, I just think like Jared Parker is an experience. Like how, how do you know that Jared Parker is going to be better? Um, you're just taking Marcus Freeman's word for it. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what, what happens with Jared Parker back there as offensive coordinator. I'm not saying that he won't be successful, but he has to just like Eric was talking about that defensive line, prove it in some game settings. Um, and honestly, I don't know that we saw a ton in a lot of the live settings that we saw in terms of the offensive coordinator. Not that I think that was intentional. I don't think Notre Dame was trying to show us much, but um, the offense wasn't exactly lighting it up in, in some uh, scrimmage settings that, that we saw. So um, the offense has a lot of, a lot to prove under offensive coordinator, Jared Parker. We were talking about the offensive line before T-Rex kindly submitted that question and uh, donation. Uh, so, what do we think about the chemistry of this offensive line unit and where this group will be with Zeke Carell coming back in the middle, Rocco Spindler and Pat Coogan as the new guards. And then obviously, you know, the tackles with Joe Walt and Blake Fisher. Well, we had seen a practice at school field in South Bend. Um, when was that about a week and a half ago? Tyler, two weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, I think it, that was the 14th, or, or no, that was the 10th. I don't know what the day was, yeah. Yeah, and and they got beat fairly regularly. Again, I don't think they were doing anything to fool the defense. They were trying to run a very vanilla offense, um, and yet there were probably some things that looked disturbing at the guard positions, but that was just when Rocco had kind of overtaken Christophic and Coogan and Shrouth were still battling. I We've seen a lot of reps with that starting five and then also with uh, Ashton Craig as the center with um, C. Carell out for a little while. But, um, you know, th those are this is an important week for them. Last week was an important week for them to get that chemistry going. Um, you know, and I think early on, the biggest problem is going to be pre-snap movement. That usually is early in the season because, again, you're not quite always seeing things with the same set of eyes. But I do feel much better about Rocco getting so many number one reps during this fall camp. It wasn't that he just overtook Andrew Kostovic right at the end. He's been working next to Blake Fisher and Zeke Carell for a while now. So I don't expect it to look like a finished product in Ireland, but I do think it's going to look a lot better than it did at school field where there was panic throughout the Twitterverse or the Xverse, whatever it is. <laughs> I, I know I was starting to be concerned and I, um, I, that was and the first time I had it. concern. I had some concern like, okay, what, what's going on at, at, at these guard spots are, is this, is, is there, is there still a rotation? Like what's going on? Who's going to win these battles? Like, do they need to, okay, settle this and move forward? And they sort of have since then. And I did look back. The eighth would have been when we saw that practice, so almost two weeks ago um, for, for when we saw Notre Dame have a live practice in South Bend. Um, so I think that brought me some concern. I, I do think, like, I am starting to buy a little bit more of, okay, Jason Anya and Gabe Rubio are, are problems, and those guys giving Notre Dame's 
offensive guards issues aren't isn't simply an issue with Notre Dame's offensive guards. It is a a, a testament to the defensive tackles that Notre Dame has has developed um, up front. And uh, Marcus Freeman has even um, acknowledged that he's he was a little bit surprised at at the way that those guys have developed and what they have there in terms of the depth on the defensive line. Um, so I think certainly Navy will be a, a little bit of a test. Um, you get to sort of ease into things with, with, with the following week with Tennessee state. I don't know that you're going to see a lot of things that are going to um, phys- be a lot of physical demands for those guys. Like, and that's, that's the thing about Rocco Spindler and Pat Coogan, they're going to be able to impose their will as long as they know what they're doing and they're reading the things right and seeing things um, through one set of eyes. So I think those are the things that Notre Dame needs to make sure that those guys are making sure, make being on the same page with each other, having good communication with their tackles and their center um, and uh, working together to to make sure that they're both protecting Sam Hartman and, and paving the way for the running game. All right, um, another a little bit of a surprise. You you mentioned a little bit earlier Jabron Payne servicing yeah. as the number two running back. There's a lot of oars there in the backfield beyond Aldrick Estime, uh, but Jabron Payne has um, he was oar free. Put put himself in position to be um, amongst. The first options coming out onto the field after um, Audrey Estimate gets a break. Um, I had mentioned Jabron Payne as one of my breakthrough players in our prediction video that we did last week. Um, so well, good feel for little, you. Feel a little good about that. Um, so uh, what what have you seen from Jabron, Jabron Payne this camp um, in terms of his ability as a running back and what do you think he can do for Notre Dame when given some opportunities? Well, it started in the spring when they had a lack of bodies. You know, Devin Ford wasn't there. Jadarian Price wasn't back yet. Jeremiah right. Love hadn't arrived. So it was Audric and Jabron. So he got a lot of reps. But I remember looking and saying, he looks pretty good. You know, it's too bad when these other guys get here because he's going to be fifth string. And that didn't happen. He stepped up and continued to get better. Uh, he definitely has some speed. He's, you know, the thing that Marcus Freeman talked about today was how well he does all the jobs. He does a really good job with pass blocking, does a really good job with receiving. He does a really good job with blitz pickup. And so uh, maybe Jeremiah Love isn't there on some of those. Jeremiah Love is faster than Jabron. Mm-hmm. Um, and Devin Ford, probably is too. Yeah. And Jadarian Price is better in the passing game. But Jadarian missed a lot of time. I mean, mm-hmm. he missed all of last season, all of last summer, all this spring, and then really didn't come back to full go until training camp. So he's he's playing catch up. They're the same class. They're the same age. They're both sophomores. I still think <laughs> I still think Jadarian Price is going to edge up to number two at some point, but Jabron's not going away. I, I thought, you know, this is a guy that that will be stuck uh, being number five, and he doesn't look like a number five. He looks like a guy that belongs on this roster. And, uh, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, he's got a chance to really contribute this year. Yeah, I think he's a very versatile back, and I think that, that really helps him. And I think um... – Dylan McCullough wanted him. I mean, he he sought him out and and, and made him a priority once uh, um, Dylan was no longer at IU, which is where he had originally recruited Jabron Payne to. 
Um, and then Gibran backed off of his national letter of intent um, and was able to be recruited by Notre Dame. So um, Keelan McCullough obviously believes in him and is going to give him those opportunities. Um, and I think Gibran Payne has also earned those. He's, he's shown an ability to be a good pass catcher, a good pass protector from things we've heard. I don't know that I've seen that from him, but just because there just haven't been a, the opportunities to watch that. Um, so I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what he can do um, because it does seem like there's some buzz about him coming out of the pre out of the preseason that I don't know that we would have necessarily expected. Um, speaking of, I was going to mention, uh, J- Jadarian Price's uh, return from rehab has also come back with a, a, a clear, clarified pronunciation of his name. And even Marcus Freeman said Jadarian and then corrected himself to Jadarian. So apparently we've all been saying Jadarian Price's name wrong for this long of a time. And I did not realize that. Um, he, I, I even I interviewed him the other day and it didn't come up, but I did ask him a lot of people call him JD. I was like, is that a Notre Dame specific nickname or is that something you've always been called? He said, no, that's that's something I've been called since I was a child. So JD, for anyone who may be afraid that they're messing up Jadarian versus Jadarian, JD is the is the safe way to go for for Jadarian Price. Um, so it didn't change the pronunciation. We've always been wrong. That's we've always been wrong. Yeah, I mean, I. I I don't want to say that he changed it because I, I don't know that anyone asked him how to pronounce it previously. I'm going to um, start calling him JD. Yeah, JD makes. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to need to because I'm probably going to revert back to the way I've always been been saying Jadarian, but um, it's, it, it should be Jadarian. Um, the last thing I wanted to t- touch on with the depth chart was just that we don't. The way the depth chart is listed isn't always necessarily the way things are going to play out, and it, some of that is due to especially for Navy on defense. Yeah, especially for Navy on defense, um, and especially when you're talking about different personnel groupings, and when you're when you're throwing a nickel onto the field, that changes things. If you're going to play three safeties, that changes things. If you're going to put a uh, take the rover off the field, that changes things. What? What may look different on defense, do you think, than, than how it's listed on the depth chart going into this game? Well, the um, the thing about Navy's offense this year is I don't think you're going to get a true triple option. And, and Bill Wagner brought this up in our podcast. Bill covers Navy for the Capitol Gazette and has for years and years and years. Um, and so... I think you're going to take advantage of the rover position, but they may not be in the rover spot, uh, for example. I think sometimes you'll see a corner move up into a box. I remember Robert Blanton was really good against the option, and they played him like at a linebacker. Mm -hmm. He was a natural cornerback and played that against everybody else. You may see Jack Kaiser move back to his high school position of safety. We've seen... Defensive ends move inside to give them a little bit more mobility um, and a little bit more quickness. Stephon Tuitt was an absolute wrecking ball when they moved him inside from defensive end to nose guard. Stephon had played against triple option a lot in his area of Georgia, and so he would just blow up a lot of plays in the interior of the offensive line. So, again, guys playing different positions – there's some guys that are not good at 
assignment football where they're never going to make a tackle. <laughs> yeah. um, and so you'll see different people rise to the occasion. But, I mean, we got some idea last year about the guys that were good. And then there's guys that get better at it. I think, for some reason, I think Jalen Sneed is going to be a big factor in this game with his speed and so forth. We may see him on the perimeter uh, playing linebacker where I think he's going to be more of an inside guy. Um, even though he's listed as, isn't he listed as a Rover in the official depth chart? Yeah, he's, he's listed as the backup Rover behind Jack Kaiser. And then Jay Nosbury is listed as the backup will, but I think in, in actuality, Jalen Steen might be the backup for both of those spots. Right. Um, um and they want to get Jay Nosbury on the depth chart. So that's how that works out that way. In my opinion, not that Jay Nosbury didn't deserve it. And I think Jay Nosbury is, is probably three at both of those spots and, and, and could get, um, some playing time this season as well. Jay Nosbury is just a freshman, so I I don't know what to kind of expect in this game. And I I know that Notre Dame has linebackers that are good at playing the option, but Jay Nosbury is the kind of player that gets on the field that has a bigger role than you right. might expect. So, yeah, um, I think I, there's a Josh chance he Burnham can do something. may Josh Burnham may be a guy, you know, and Junior Kuhalamaka sure. just because he's so smart. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Those are guys that are former linebackers. And I think Antonio Carter could play a role in terms of being with his physicality in terms. I mean, we're obviously learning about him all together because he's the new player in Notre Dame, but I think he's a guy that could play in like a roverish role or uh, like a nickel back role, although it's not really a nickel, but just sort of lined up in that area of the field, whether maybe it's like a four, four, like, like Michael Parks is talking about, um, I think those are those are the kinds of things that are possible um, with with Notre Dame's defense that might not necessarily be reflected on the depth chart uh, going into the week. Yeah, we should mention that um, Navy's offensive coordinator Grant Chestnut, and that's with only one T at the end of the word, not in the middle. But he um, was at Kennesaw State, an FCS school, and they ran really a spread. So they're trying to marry some concepts here. But Marcus Freeman felt really good that Al Golden has a game plan, whether they see a traditional triple option with a little bit of passing mixed in or see more spread, but but with, you know, Navy position groups like slot back and so forth. Uh, so that that part will be fascinating, kind of the feeling out process in the first half. Yep, uh, Jay Gibbons. Sorry that uh, your YouTube notification must have got swallowed somewhere. <laughs> we I don't know what happened there either. Uh, but we are we are happy that you have arrived, even if maybe a little tardy. Um, I wanted to get to a couple more questions. Um, Eric Swope asked, "What about my game plan uh, for Ireland?" Uh, my game plan is to show up with all the proper identification and money <laughs> to. Uh, um, take in everything that I need to do in Ireland. I don't have a much of a game plan sleep. We'll, we'll see how that goes, but I will be, I will be, my time in Ireland will be roughly the same as, as the football team. Cause I will also be leaving on Wednesday um, and getting there early Thursday morning and then um, headed back on Sunday. So hopefully things go well. This was, this will be my first international flight. Um, so I, uh, a little bit nervous uh, and just, uh, I'll be happier when I'm there than I am, uh, that it will be the day uh, leading up to that, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to it and uh, really uh, great to have the opportunity to go do that and make that visit on behalf of Inside ND Sports. 
I had to tell Tyler that the currency in Ireland is euros and not lucky charms. <laughs> I was saving all these lucky charms. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with all of them. Uh, let's go. One more question. What impact do you think the freshman wideouts will have this year? Uh, Thomas will, Jaden Thomas will be wide receiver one, but years end, do you think one of the freshmen is wide receiver two? And thank you for that question. WV renovation. Uh, I think if, if Tobias Merriweather isn't wide receiver two by the end of the year, then there's been um, something that's short circuited. I think Tobias is still the freakiest, twitchiest, fastest wide receiver on the roster. Um, that combination thereof. And, and I think Chris Tyree has a chance to be really good. I think people are kind of writing him off based on not being a great kickoff returner and not being great running between the tackles. But I think what he's doing now fits his skill set better. Um, and so I don't see a lot of opportunity without an injury for those guys, for um, Rico Flores and Jaden Greathouse to jump over those two. Where I feel good about those two is Jaden Greathouse is such a different kind of slot receiver mm -hmm. that there's going to be a role for him. And, right. and against certain teams, maybe a and certain games, maybe a better matchup um, to have on the field than having Chris Tyree for so many reps. With Flores, I think if uh, Tobias Merriweather struggled a little bit early, they would maybe give some of those game reps to Rico until Tobias finds himself. You know, I think there's a mental adjustment for him and just having talked to him recently of going from a guy with one catch to being expected to be this breakout player. I think, you know, he wants to live up to that and he's trying to figure that out kind of mentally. How do I kind of, uh, work with this and get this all in my head and get this straight without thinking too much. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he will get it figured out. I've seen players in that position before. Sometimes it takes a few games. Sometimes it takes one game. It just takes one catch. But remember, he has one career catch. So once he starts getting involved in the offense, I think the confidence is going to flow and we're going to see him. But, and, and really, when we think of the other freshman wide receiver, there's people that think Braylon James might be the best of the three in the long, long run uh, just because he's not as polished right now and he's got some really good skills as well. So those guys are definitely going to contribute. Yeah, Braylon is more similar to Tobias Merriweather in terms of like their build and their abilities and their speed. Um, so that is something that Notre Dame likes uh, in terms of developing, but he, he doesn't. I don't think he's quite there yet to produce a lot as a freshman, um, but the guys you mentioned, Jaden Greathouse um, and uh, Rico Flores Jr. will have plenty of, of opportunities, I think. Um, I think I think the rotation's probably six deep, and you, you include those two freshmen, Jaden Thomas, Tobias Merriweather, Deanna Colsey, and Matt Salerno, I think is probably uh, – and that, or did I not say Chris Tyree? So then maybe it's seven deep. Um, I'm doing math in my head, and that's never a good – a good thing for me. Um, but anyways, I think those are the guys that we'll see making impacts. Like you mentioned, Tyree and Merriweather um, could prevent great house and Flores becoming the number two receiver. And likely I would say will prevent them from doing that. But I do think those guys will have 
have good roles in, in the offense and be able to make some plays um, when Notre Dame's given, uh, given some opportunities with Sam Hartman pushing the ball downfield. Yeah, I, I saw Michael. Do you want to take Michael Park's comment real quick? He Chris Tyree. Kind of, yeah, dissing me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Michael Michael said, wow, Chris Tyree in a better position to succeed at receiver, taking in corners and safeties instead of linebackers and defensive linemen. Yeah, well, I mean, in the past game, Chris had a lot of receptions. He wasn't always in a position to uh, exploit people in open space. But, I mean, cr- there's nothing wrong with Chris's speed. He He can run past some corners and a, a lot of safeties. I mean, he's one of the fastest guys on Notre Dame's football team. But I think this position allows him to get in space, to use those talents more. And I think the knock against Chris was he wasn't an all-round running back. You know, mm-hmm. he he was decent on the, uh, you know, toss sweep or whatever. He was good on perimeter plays, but, you know, running inside when you really needed to get a few yards, not so much. So I think he's going to be in more of a position. And then you can run him on jet sweeps now. But, yeah, I, I think Chris Tyree has the speed to be, uh, slot receiver and I think being in the slot is going to really uh, amount to him being able to get open I mean that's a difficult position to defend because right. you don't have a boundary and the the slot receiver has the whole field and if he can cut and he can get open then you're going to have broken ankles yeah and even if it's just as a check down in certain situations I think just get him the ball even if it's for a couple yards and give him an opportunity to run in space. And I think Sam, Sam Hartman will be able to find him. So I think there's a bit of a, uh, a blanket there that Chris Tyree can, can, can provide for Sam Hartman. And I don't know that Chris Tyree was ever uh, defended by a defensive lineman. Uh, Eric Swope uh, asked with the new rule involving the, the clock on first downs, will that play to an advantage with either team? For this Saturday? Yes. Yeah, I think it'll play to Navy's advantage. I mean, they right. want to shorten the game and limit possessions as much as they can. And if the clock doesn't stop on first downs, that would seem to equate to fewer possessions. Now, again, if Navy's throwing the ball around a little bit more, then maybe they give a little bit of that back. Right. But I would think the passing game is meant to be a very high percentage, low-risk pass that's ball possession type type of passes that they're not you know chucking it down the field unless they really feel like they can keep get Notre Dame sleeping all right I agree with that nothing else to add uh do you want us to run us through the injury updates we received from Marcus Freeman today sure so um there were two guys that had surgery this past week and it was successful surgery we haven't heard about too many unsuccessful surgeries although there was a guy at Wisconsin way back early in my career where they operated on the wrong foot. Uh, so I would say that would be unsuccessful surgery. Uh, that sounds unsuccessful to me. Right. But uh, Aiden Gobira and Kevin Bauman had their ACL surgeries. They're now into their rehab. It's going to be a long road back for both of them. They're both out for the season. The, I don't, I don't want to say it's the surprise, but the injury we didn't have specifics about was Michael Carmody who's now a backup tackle, one-time starting left tackle uh, in an emergency situation a couple of years ago. But 
we hadn't seen much of him in camp. And then last week he broke his right hand and then he had surgery on that right hand. We didn't get a timetable on that, uh, but he is going to go over to Ireland and at least be a bystander and, you know, maybe pick up an Irish brogue while he's there. <laughs> um, some people that we didn't ask about today, but I don't expect to play um, Eli Reardon. Um, he thought his timetable was going to put him back sometime between the Navy game and the Tennessee State game. We don't see him on the depth chart as one of the top three on the official depth chart. So that kind of raises a little bit of an alarm bell about him not being available this week, again, which was expected. And then Nolan Ziegler is not listed on the two deeps, which we didn't expect. He's just missed too much time. Uh, he'll have to play catch up when he starts being reintegrated into practices and so forth. He's been out with a personal situation. Uh, yeah, Marco, Michael Parks uh, clarified. I think you guys are actually more on the same page than he realized. He, he was just saying that it took this staff to get him in the right position where the previous staff thought he was a better running back. So he, he thinks that um, this, the move is right for him. And this is, might be putting, at least if I'm interpreting this right, that this is, this will be putting Chris Tyree in a better position than he was put in at, at running back. Right. And with all the talent they have at running back, they, could, they needed another receiver, especially right. with the one Caleb Williams, the elder Caleb Williams, not staying with the team, you know, into even spring practice that he left the team. Uh, and so they needed numbers and Chris Tyree's fired up about it. I remember talking to him right before he came to Notre Dame very early in his high school career, he was a slot receiver. So this is not completely new to him, but certainly completely new at this level. Michael, I'm apologize for being offended. <laughs> um, we don't have much time left, so let's talk quickly about Jared Parker. What, um, obviously, he was offensive coordinator at two, for two seasons and name at West Virginia, but wasn't given all the play calling responsibilities there. So, his experience is certainly a little bit light. Um, what do you think we will see from him, not just this week, but this season? And, and, and what has Marcus Freeman done to, to get a sense for what? Jared Parker can do as a, as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, when T Rex brought up the why not twelve and zero, I should have mentioned that. Not that Jared Jared Parker may be a genius calling place. We just don't know, right? Uh, because unknown. the it, it's a big unknown. And I asked Marcus Freeman today, how do you get him in a rhythm of play calls without having had any games and really haven't doing it much? So what they did during training camp, they would unscript some periods and then he would have to call plays during those periods so he could continue one after another, after another, after another to get him into that rhythm. But we still don't know if he's going to be good at it. Um, and we may not know that until they play NC State, which is going to be a pretty stout defense. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm not discounting Navy. They were two in the country in rush defense. They were toward the bottom in pass efficiency defense. So they were really good at a couple things defensively. Uh, but I think that's the, a great unknown because you've got a lot of talent. you got this sixth-year quarterback that gives out headphones and and uh, <laughs> other goodies and, and distributes the ball very well. And you've got a lot of offensive talent on this team, but you still need somebody – they can put it together, and I know um, T-Rex was 
not high on Tommy Reese, but we need to make sure that this is an upgrade. I've liked what I've heard from Jared Parker and so forth, but we haven't really seen, seen things. He wasn't going to call ingenious plays in the blue gold game. The ingenious part of that is calling vanilla plays. Right. That work. Um, yeah, I agree. I think he's, there's just so much unknown, and it's a it's a definitely a prove-it year, especially when you get a quarterback like Sam Hartman given to you, um, that you you make the most of that um, as an offensive coordinator. We had some stories on into, at ND Sports for exclusive to our subscribers, Eric. Um, I did a profile on Javante Jean-Baptiste, and you did a profile on Audrey Estime. So um, another reason to subscribe to InsideNDSports.com. Uh, what do you want to? What would you like to highlight or tease about your Audrey Estime story for folks who haven't haven't read it yet? I think probably the the biggest takeaway from me about talking to Audrey and talking to his cousin um, Terrence Fade, who was an NFL defensive end for several years, is I mean everybody processes death differently. Um, Audrey lost his mom to sickle cell disease at age ten. His aunt and his uncle, who are brother and sister, not married, brother and sister, took guardianship of Audric and his brother. And, you know, sometimes there's that hole in your heart for the rest of your life. And Audric has found a way to channel all that into this inspiration that his mom gives him strength in everything he does. Now, Audric is a funny guy and a fun guy, and there were a lot of fun elements to doing that story, including his maybe not-so-great singing and <laughs> a little bit of the backstory to the Jerry Maguire uh, spoof for Show Me the Green Jerseys. That was kind of fun. Yeah. But, um, but just what's inside of him, what makes him tick, is super interesting to me, and I think why we continually see him get better and better. Yeah, we were we were fortunate enough to have access to these guys earlier in the summer um, in, in some one-on-one situations. So you get to maybe get them to open up a little bit more and show different sides of them. I, I spoke to Javante Jean Baptiste, who I still think is a bit of an enigma, even after to, after talking to him. But <laughs> but I do think uh, um, it was nice to get to know his background more. Um, he he definitely has a lot of confidence within himself, but doesn't necessarily want to outwardly express that until he's able to go out in the field. And sort of proved it and back it up himself. Um, certainly, I think is looking forward to the opportunity to play against Ohio State later this year. But he just said, "I'll see him when I see him." Um, so uh, I, I enjoyed getting the, the time to talk to talk to him and um, his teammates have been very and, and Coach Al Washington, defensive line coach Al Washington, have been very complimentary of him in terms of what he can do. And I, I think um, it almost feels like Notre Dame is been shielding a, a, what he can do in full from us a little bit. Um, Bruce Feldman uh, sh- shined a little bit of a light on that with uh, including him on his freaks list with some of his athletic testing that he's, that he's done um, during the off season. Uh, so I, I, I encourage folks to check out both of those stories. We previously done um, profiles on Sam Hartman and Benjamin Morrison Earlier this year, those those stories were for free. So even if you aren't a subscriber, you can go back and look at those if you missed them. Um, but uh, I think we give you a really good look at some of the guys that obviously will play significant roles for Notre Dame's 2023 football season and guys that we're fascinated to track going into the season. 
All right, Eric, I think that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Um, I will give them one more reminder about our special that is running through through midnight um, tonight, Monday night. So make sure that you're doing that. And I believe that's Eastern time. It may be Central time, but I wouldn't chance it. Try to take care of that before Eastern time, uh, midnight Eastern time. Um, $23 for your first year of a subscription to InsideIndieSports.com, access to our recruiting coverage, our expert analysis, um, you can even question us for being experts or not, um, that you get the right to do that if you are an inside any sports subscriber. Um, and, uh, uh, the, the community that we have on the inside lounge, I think it's a, a, a fun place to be and a, a good place to talk about stuff and also share some stuff that maybe we, we haven't reported publicly quite yet, but we're, we're, we're giving to our subscribers. So I think, um, this is the best deal you're going to get the rest of the year. There's going to be another rivals wide promotion coming up here soon. Um, but it won't be as, as deep of a discount as, as what we're offering right now. So if you've been giving any consideration to becoming an inside subscriber, um, this is your sign to do so $23. There's a link in, in the description to this video. Um, and there's links all over our social media and in, inside to help you out to make sure you, you can take advantage of that. Amen. And then lastly, Football Never Sleeps, we'll be back again next Monday. We, this is our um, weekly spot. We, we plan to do this every Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern throughout the season um, to review the previous game, talk about what's coming up ahead, um, talk about Marcus Freeman's press conference from earlier in the day. So um, we hope you continue to join us if you are listening now. Um, and we appreciate everyone chiming in throughout the, the night tonight for the chats. Uh, T-Rex, shout out for the donation um, and the question. We appreciate everyone tuning in. And like we mentioned before, like, subscribe. If you know someone who isn't subscribed to our YouTube channel, get on them, take their phone, subscribe for them if that's what you got to do, whatever you got to do to get us to 2,000 subscribers before um, Notre Dame kicks off against Navy in Ireland on Saturday. All right. Have a good week.